You're listening to Nats Talk on the go, the longest-running Washington Nationals podcast going today. This podcast is proudly brought to you by our supporters club, Nats Talk on the go, special ops. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Drugan and Craig McHenry. Joe and Craig, let's do it. Well, hey there, Craig. How's it going? We're back here for episode 124 of Nats Talk on the go. Is 125, like, a thing? Like... I don't know. Is it, does it have a name like sesquicentennial or I, something like that? I think it's something like that. I, I'm pretty sure Beth called it out last week on the show, but I don't remember what it was. So if Okay, I hope it's something like sesquicentennial because that's really fun to say. Nice. Nice. Uh, well, we'll start with this question considering uh, Guzman just asked, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm going the Joe route today. I'm drinking a little old chub. Ah, nice. Well... Uh, I'm currently drinking a 1050, um, Ooh, the yeah. same 1050 is left over from last week. Very good. Very uh, good. And I, my backup is an old chub. So there we go. Keeping it Oscar blues today. That's right. I, I was inspired when I went to the store. Yeah. See, I, I inspire people to drink good beer. Yeah. Although you don't need to be inspired to drink good that's beer. That's true. I'm, I'm pretty sure I introduced you to old chub. So yes, that's a hundred percent true. So to baseball that we promised people, this was a it was a bit of a fun week since we last spoke. Uh, there's been a baseball draft, and then the Nationals played the Cubs for one of the best series of the year so far. Yeah, I would say one of the best series in just baseball. Oh yeah, I wasn't talking yeah. about but for the Nationals. I just mean like in general, it was one of the best series of the year. Yeah, it was a it was a a grand old time. Uh, the Nationals took two of three from the Cubs. I believe that's the last time we see the Cubs this season. It is. Well, this regular season. In the regular season, thank you. But, you know, lost the season series after getting swept in Chicago. And I know we talked about on the show when that happened that each game in the Chicago series was close. I think there was one 10 to 5, but most of those runs were scored in garbage time. But this was another series. Every game could have gone either way. There were uh, extra inning games, there were walk-offs, there were dominant pitching performances, there were clutch hits. It just had all the makings of just exciting baseball. It was, if you were to show your friend or family member that does not like baseball why you like baseball, yeah. you would show him yesterday's game. Yeah, the, the the Cubs series in general kind of exemplified that. But yeah, the, the game on uh, Wednesday was a game for the ages and you know we knew a lot of people that were there at that game but it was incredibly fun to watch for a whole lot of reasons which we're gonna get into um do you have anything from the Cubs series that you look at that impressed you more than than something else I don't know how else to phrase that question but um I'm gonna go ahead and say the thing that has impressed me most about that series is the same thing that's really impressed me for the whole season, and that's the effectiveness of the Nationals' bench. Yeah, the bench has been ridiculous. Uh, I think they hit their ninth pinch hit home run this season. Doesn't uh, Stephen Drew have like three of them? He has, I think, three of them. Like yeah, he's. This is not like traditional power hitter that you're talking about, but he's getting them in all these random opportunities. Yeah, so the bench has really uh, done a fantastic job. Stephen Drew has been a huge contributor as of late. Uh, Jose Lobatone's gotten the mix a little bit here and there. Chris Heisey's uh, done very well as well. Heisey's done well. Uh, Robinson hasn't been doing as well lately, but he's, uh, for the most part, been a solid replacement for Zimmerman over at first and, you know, with the bat. So 
Uh, I think the bench came through a lot, especially yesterday, um, in yesterday's contest, just because it went so long and there were so many changes and all that going on. So, yeah, I th- I'd say the bench. What about you? The thing that impressed me the most is that they competed with – the Cubs are the best team in baseball. There's no question that the Cubs are the best team in baseball. They're the best team baseball seen since the 90s Yankees. Yeah. I the mean, late the, 90s Yankees. The, you have guys that went to that team for the opportunity to bring the first World Series to Chicago since 1908. There's a reason that these people are going there. Um, plus, oh, I'm sorry. Hold on. I'm so sorry. They're the best team since the 2001 Mariners. Don't at me. Oh, wow. Snap. Better than the 2001 Mariners, though. No. 2001 Mariners won, what, 117, yeah, 116? It was a so. lot of games. It was a lot of games. Anyway, sorry. That was my mistake. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, Ken Griffey Jr. named the youth baseball ambassador for Major League Baseball today. So that's, oh, that's cool. That's lovely. Yeah. Wanted to add that since Mariners talk. And you also just reminded me of one of the things I wanted to talk about. So thank you. Excellent. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, definitely a, a big part of it. And even after losing two of three to the Nationals, the Cubs are still on pace to win 111 games. Yeah, I mean, they're they're unreasonable. So I think the, the most Im- important thing that I saw was, you know, like you said, when they played those four games in Chicago and got swept, you know, it was, they were close games. There were two two-run games and two three-run games. But they were, you know, close, one of those closer-than-the-scoreboards-made-it-appear situations. Uh, they were just well-played games between both teams. And the Nationals at that point were on a road trip coming off of playing, uh, I don't know, the Cardinals, the Royals. Um, it, was, it was a difficult road trip in general. So they were kind of wrapping up at Wrigley against the best team in baseball. So uh, I don't put too much stock into that. I just, whether they won the series or not this past week in D.C. against the Cubs, they, they looked like a team that could compete with the Cubs, and the Cubs are the best team in baseball, and you have to look at that and go, what? That's awesome. The other thing I would note is they missed Lester and Arietta. So that's also a thing. Yeah, um, that is nice. So they, they've really dodged a lot of – the Nationals have dodged a lot of pitching bullets over the course of the last couple of weeks. They missed Lester. They missed Arietta. Uh, they missed Chris Sale. They missed Jose Quintana. They've missed a lot of the top-tier pitching in, in Major League Baseball against some of the good teams that you, you know, probably were going to be a little bit concerned about. I don't think there's, it's not like, oh, well, this series didn't mean anything because you didn't face two of the better pitchers in baseball. But that's the one kind of caveat note that I would throw in there. Um, Yeah, but once again, as we discussed, you can only play the team in front of you. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Whether they won or not, they played the best team in baseball well, and they won the series. But like I said, even if they hadn't won the series... I still would be happy about the way that they played baseball over the course of those three games. And it's not like they're pitching against they're They were playing against slouch pitching. They were, they had to face uh, Jason Hamill on Wednesday, who's had an incredibly good year too. So they have, they have a good pitching staff overall. It's just, they missed their two best pitchers. And I just wanted to, I figured I'd throw it out there at least. Yeah. 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 Sorry. Hey, Dave's here. I have to say something. Uh huh. Um, so pandering to the crowd. That's right. So uh, on that note, on Wednesday's game, I do want to talk about because this is the thing that I remembered and made and just wrote down. Uh, I think we got a question about it, but Sean Kelly not coming in the ninth inning of Wednesday's game. I did want to mention that before I forgot because I tweeted at the time. I have no problem with Sean Kelly not pitching the ninth inning 
on Wednesday or not pitching at all on Wednesday. I have no issue with that at all. But the fact that Matt Belial, who's coming off of a two-month DL stint, comes in to start the inning um, in the ninth with the Nationals' upper run, and then you have then you're going to a, you go to a lefty, which is fine, and then you go back to Kelly. I don't know you you put your best pitcher in a situation, and maybe Dusty was thinking, well, I'm going to play, do right left right matchups, so I'm going to do a righty, and then I want to finish the game with Sean Kelly, maybe. Uh, but it just seemed like a weird call. If you're going to use Sean Kelly at all, and the excuse was, you know, I, I'm worried about his arm and his health, then you don't use him then for the final out in the ninth inning and then for a full tenth inning. I don't know. That seemed weird to me. Yeah, there have still been some peculiar moves, but uh, with the injury to the D.C. Strangler, um, <laughs> God. there has I been... Uh, even that's been since last time we recorded. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Um, with the injury to the DC Strangler, Jonathan or Johnny Jonathan, it's been uh, kind of a different bullpen. Um, I know Papelbon wasn't lighting anyone's world on fire, but he was the quote-unquote closer. Obviously, not the best pitcher uh, on the Nationals in the bullpen, but he was the closer, and he was a veteran arm who pitched, you know, in his role and. When that gets taken away, the entire bullpen just went in complete flux. I mean, you and I have both discussed that, uh, excuse me, Philip Rivers, uh, nice. Felipe Rivero, uh, is probably the most likely candidate to be a closer, but he's been scuffling lately. Right. So you don't want to put him in your highest leverage situation <clears throat> uh, when he's not pitching at his best. And so it's kind of been the really traditional closer by committee in terms of we don't actually know who it's going to be in what situation, because it seems like every other game you're seeing a great appearance and a terrible appearance from pretty much everyone in the pen. Yeah. The bullpen started out really well and I'm not trying to say the bullpen's terrible. Now they're not, they're significantly improved from last year, even considering some of their issues, but they're, there's not as much confidence, I think, at this point as there was earlier. And I think it's just, you know, it's that that mid part of June where it's that dead arm period that guys end up going through. Whether it's a long term or short term thing, I don't know. I certainly do think the Nationals need to make an effort to go get somebody else to, to help out there. You can't expect all those guys to stay healthy as, you know, Matt Belisle didn't pitch for all that long before he hit the disabled list. Jonathan Papelbon being older, hit the disabled list for the first for the time in first his career. the first time in his career. Which I couldn't believe that that was true. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, has thrown pretty hard for a very long career with a whole lot of innings and a whole lot of high leverage situations, uh, including World Series, and never hit the disabled list. That's for anything. I, I don't know. That that was pretty surprising to me. Uh, quick tangent. Quick tangent, if I may. Yeah. Uh, intercostal strain. Is this fake? Is this he's pitching terribly? We need to find a way to DL him, or is this an actual injury? I I cannot imagine a way that if it was a fake injury, that Jonathan Papelbon wouldn't be saying something about it. I I can't imagine a way that if Jonathan Papel if they went up to to Papelbon, they said, we're going to put you on the DL because you're hurt, and that he wouldn't be like, hey, F you, no, I'm not hurt. I just, I can't imagine a way that that wouldn't be the case. Okay. So I, I think it's a legit, it's a legitimate injury. Now, it might be, hey, this is a little sore, you know, and so we're going to give you some recovery time because we want you to be back into quote-unquote be our closer, 
Um, and he might have sucked it up and said, okay, I just can't imagine a way that he would be okay with that. Okay. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, I kind of fall in line the same way. Uh, I think it's probably a niggling little injury. Yeah. That, yeah. I don't that, think it's like, oh my God, it, like it's this massive injury. I think it's, you know, this little nagging thing that he's had for a little while that he's pitched through for literally his entire career that they, that Dusty went up to him and said, or Mike Rizzo, whoever said, Hey, you know, Matt Belial needs to come back and you need a little bit of a break. So this is going to be your little DL stint until we figure out what we want to do next. You know, okay. uh, yeah. that's kind of my general theory about it, but I can't imagine a way that it's nothing. And Papelbon was like, yep, that's cool. He just yeah. doesn't seem like that kind of guy. You think? Yeah. I just can't. Really? Can't you think Joe? Yeah. Just, I don't know what gave me that impression, but nonetheless. Yeah. So um, yeah, I'm not sure, but it's, it's definitely been a different season for the Nationals bullpen in the past going back. God, what to Matt caps even oh, yeah. we had roles for every single member of the bullpen. Yeah. And you could list them off. Craig Stammen's your long guy, such and such is your seventh inning guy. Clippard and Storen do the eighth or the ninth, you know? Right. Everyone had their role, and it was you pitch this inning, you pitch that is that, that inning, and that's a very old school way to think about it. Well, um, and Dusty Baker's not doing that. Well, the closest we got to a break from that was with Davey Johnson, when he had his A and his B bullpens. Now, those guys still had rule, roles. They right. were still the guy that was going to pitch the ninth inning. Like, Drew Storen, if it was his night, was going to pitch the ninth inning. Like, there, that was the way that it was at the time. But And, you know, Rafael Soriano was going to pitch the ninth inning. There was always those roles. But very, it's very interesting that two of the older managers that the Nationals had have kind of broken away from that, like, rigidity that yeah exactly like hey it's the sixth inning and we need a pitcher so sixth inning boom i don't know it's it's very different like even i think back to the days of a guy like manny acta who was you know kind of ahead of his time a little bit and you could think what you want about about him but he kind of even had role ideas so yeah yeah it, so it's it, rare. There, it there doesn't seem to be roles i mean the only roles that i see are Papelbon is closer, and then use Mero Petit as the long guy. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Except for when Blake Trinan goes three innings. But other than that... That was the weirdest thing yeah. I've ever seen. I think we talked about that last week. I think. Yes. But yeah, it was the weirdest thing ever. Um, but yeah, like really the role is, even even outside of, uh, of Papelbon, really the role is Petit. Like, yeah, even, yeah, that's even true. Papelbon I mean, has kind of had a couple of spots where, like, Rivera would come in to Rivera pitch Rivera would come inning. in, pitch an, in, pitch an out or two in the ninth. Yeah. yeah. It's very different. It's a, And I don't think it's a bad thing. I have no, obviously, I have no problem with the breaking of roles, but um, the Nationals are going to see what they, what they can put together here over the next few weeks with a bullpen that, you know, is completely, especially with Papelbon, they're completely devoid of roles. Yeah, there are good, there are no roles in that situation besides the fact that Ali Perez is probably going to face lefties and Blake Trinan's probably going to face righties. Yeah, hope so. And that's pretty much the roles that exist. And I think that so. Real quick, I'm getting really hungry because you keep talking about roles. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not even kidding. Okay, well we'll move off the the roles. Like for a now. nice buttery roll. Oh. <laughs> You're killing me. 
Like, I, it sounds good, doesn't it? It does sound kind <laughs> like, of good, Like, I'm actually. just, like, my mouth is watering. I can... Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm a fat kid, so it's okay. Go for some bread. I know. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, going back to it, um, I guess in the magical game that was yesterday, the back-and-forth contest, once again, for the second time in four days, Jason Worth is the hero. Yeah, at my, the end my, of the game. My note on my little sheet of the things I wanted to talk about was Jason Worth is amazing. Those are the four words that I have written on my piece of paper. And let me be very clear. Ramos had his moment of uh, heroism. Danny Espinoza ended up getting the tying run for the hit by the pitch. Uh, ben Revere had some great stuff going on. But really it just came down to uh, Jason Worth just crushing a ball. And, well, uh, crushing a couple of balls, he yeah. you know he had the one uh, two day two games earlier before Wednesday, so uh, three games earlier, whatever it was. But and I think more than the the Jason Worth locking it in and being generally you know doing really well at the plate, it's the, him continuing to show his personality that he he kind of keeps on reserve, right? It's not like he's always showing that kind of personality, but man, when you get to see into that like. I don't know, that like sarcastic, quippy personality that he has. It's just, I, I don't remember laughing as hard many times as I did on, on Wednesday night and and then and the DC Strangler night as well. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, so I texted you about this, so I figured I'll bring it up since I, I completely forgot about the DC Strangler line. I was sitting on my, on my balcony and, my, and MLB TV was broken on Sunday. Uh, and so I couldn't actually watch the game. So I was listening on the radio and then that eventually crapped out. Um, and so I was sitting there and then I saw all the tweets about the DC Strangler. I was like, what are these people talking about? And I ended up watching it. And my favorite moment of that clip is when Dan Coco kind of goes, oh, oh, because <laughs> yep. it took him a second to put it together. Like me. I don't know. I feel like I, that Coco and I are like the only ones that it took a second to put together, but nonetheless, it was pretty funny. Yeah. That, uh, Jason Worth. He is, um, we talked last week with uh, Nats GM Ryan Sullivan about wrestling. And I don't know much about wrestling after, like, 1999, 2000. Yeah, that's um, probably a little late for me, but same, same-ish timeline. Yeah, so he's very, very much of that wrestling persona. Yeah. He just, he knows how to work a mic. He knows how to get people fired up. He knows he's just a little bit crazy. Well, and it looked like he was like on the stage of a concert. Like he was the way he was like riling up the crowd and like, I don't know, but I think wrestling is probably more accurate. Honestly, it's just, it was all about the spectacle. Right. It was pure entertainment. And yeah, like it wasn't like he was, ha- it, he was uh, like faking it. Like yeah. he was, he was hamming it up because that's what he does. He's kind of just this, uh, he's drunk uncle, maybe. <laughs> no, but he's he's not annoying though. No, no. <laughs> I mean, he's not talking about Obama's going to take your guns. Yes. <laughs> but he's he's the fun drunk uncle. Okay, fair, fine. Uh, no, he was just so fun, and he just he starts it off. By the way, this is going to be an explicit show, so yeah, we're, yeah. He's just yelling at the crowd, and he just goes, "Holy shit!" <laughs> yeah. He sounds like uh, Lou Brown uh, hey, from oh, Major League. <laughs> That's really good, actually. Uh, I here, love this English shit. Okay, well, he, here, here we go. 
It's just something about the way he said, hey, Coco, we should do this more often. It's like so, I don't know. It's so genuine to me. It's great. Yeah. I don't know. I love it. Yeah, it was it was great. And, you know, another great at bat by Jason oh Worth. Like, he just, you know, when it's extra innings and it's getting deep into a Worth count, something good's going to happen. Yeah, and when, when he killed it, I just... At first, I wasn't entirely sure how well he hit it. It's, it was hard to tell off the bat from, from the angle. But the way he just stood in the batter's box before yeah. the camera cut, I was like, oh, the game's over. The, the game's over. Like you Oh, could... Dave Jagler on the radio was definitely uh, a little bit confused. Well, and I was listening to the radio broadcast over the, over the video. So I, I was like, it was like, well... Did it, it, I mean, he just, he crushed it. It hit the very, very top of the wall on a rope opposite field. Yeah. So uh, just a fantastic uh, week for Jason Worth. And even more than that, he has caught absolute fire. His last 14 days, he's hitting 361, 489, 583. Yeah. Which is so, awesome to say. And, and he has something to say about that too, which was a couple of you know, kiss my asses, which is amazing yeah. as well. Yeah. What are you, what are you going to tell the critics? Which by the way, come on, Coco longest question ever. Yeah. It was, it was a bit of a 50 something word question before he, but you know, he was, he was setting up his guy. Yes, he, he was. was. He was give he knew what he was doing. I think giving, giving Jason a minute to, uh, to formulate and, his thought and the radio cut out. Yeah. That's a shame. <laughs> you they can't cut it off. You can't, you can't do that, man. Yeah. I mean, I guess after after the holy shit, though, it's hard. I believe we got a question about that. Yeah, we have we have a bunch of questions about that actually. Okay. You know, we have anyway, got a usual long list of questions. Anyway, the perfect culmination to a fantastic uh, homestand for the Nationals, who won. I want to say eight of their last ten coming into San Diego uh, later this evening on Thursday, and uh, I just I. It would be beneath us. Uh, it would be. It would be not good of us to not mention the night out. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. Um, obviously, everyone knows the whole the tragedy in Orlando at the nightclub, uh, where forty nine LGBT members of the community were shot down. Uh, I don't even remember the guy's name, but I don't want to remember the guy's name that did it. Um, so obviously, DC has rallied around him and. Uh, surrounding Pride Day in D.C., Pride Weekend, I guess you would say, uh, in D.C. this past weekend, the Nationals had their uh, annual, I believe it's third annual, night out uh, for the LGBT community to come out to the ballpark. And at the time of the game, the crowd was actually the largest crowd of the year. So that was awesome. Masson did an atrocious job. Not mentioning it until at least I think the eighth or ninth inning. It was the last third of the game. So uh, just an embarrassing effort uh, from the Nationals' quote unquote broadcast partner. It could, it could almost be forgiven, almost be forgiven if they didn't pimp out every promotion, every inning and a half. Yeah, and every event, every inning and a half. But and uh, it, it was no mention of it at all for the first from, six innings of the game. From all reports, uh, those at the park had an amazing time. The Nationals apparently knocked it absolutely out of the park uh, with that. And it meant a lot to some people very close to the show and including the two of us. So uh, kudos uh, to that. And, you know, it needs to be mentioned. And 
I think everyone knows the slant of our political leanings, um, but we're not going to get yeah, into not, it too much. Yeah, we won't do that on the show. We will certainly yeah. do it on Twitter, though. Um, yeah. But I think it was also cool that uh, that Billy Bean, the, uh, the VP of Social Responsibility and Inclusion, was at the game with the Nationals and uh, talked to the players before the game about the importance of the day and kind of really put things into perspective in a in a city where these issues are you know, obviously ever present. So um, I think that it was a really cool effort by the Nationals. I think they did a great job. I wish that, like you said, I wish that the Mass and Broadcast had done better earlier or just better in general Yeah, as a rule. So, yeah, thank you for bringing that up. It, it would be very... Uh, it would important. be remiss of us. Yes, to not to not mention a, a well-done effort by, by the Nationals. Yes. Uh, so... On a, on a fun note, I do want to talk – on another fun note, I should say, I do want to talk about the the Too Many Nats video. Oh, yeah. Because that's quite legitimately one of the best things that I have ever seen made. Yeah, I love it. Like, I... The original's good enough. But the I, – I think when I saw the Danny Espinosa as Trey Turner – I cried laughing because it was just so on point. So if you haven't seen it, it's over on the the Nationals subreddit and all over Twitter and yeah, social media. And if you haven't seen it, you're going to be seeing screenshots from me every time any of those people does <laughs> anything. And I feel like it's also a – when the original Too Many Cooks video came out, uh, somebody put together the Dan Ugla shrugging thing with the Dan oh, yeah. with the font. So I feel like it's just a national second baseman thing now because uh, Daniel Murphy basically did the exact same shrug thing in, in that in that cut of the video. But that was, I don't even know who actually put that video together, but whoever it was, it was extremely well done and I laughed a lot. Yeah, uh, what was your favorite outside of, of course, uh, Danny Espinosa uh, as Trey Turner? I don't know. That's... <laughs> It was so perfect. Uh, why don't you say yours? Give me a second to think of mine. I don't know. Um, I really liked um, Dusty Baker. Is, oh, yeah, that was good. Uh, it's magic. I ain't got to explain, explain shit. shit or some, yeah. I can't remember some of the other ones. Which one? I can see. I'm, I'm just drawing that. a blank on the other one. Obviously, Johnny Jonathan as yeah, the DC Strangler. Yeah. Uh, Joe Cool. Yeah, that's a good Geo one. Geo is right meow. <laughs> yeah, that, that one was really good, too. Yeah, I don't know. There were there were a bunch of extremely uh, good Sammy ones. the Hammer Solis. Nice. Yeah, it was, it was, it's amazing. And that song has been stuck in my head since I think it was Tuesday morning when I first saw it. Yeah, it's, that's one of those songs when it gets in your cranium, it really doesn't like to leave. Takes a lot to make a stew. <laughs> oh, God, it's never going to go away. No. Oh, it's so bad. Uh, yeah. anything else from, uh, the week of baseball before we we're actually, I'm actually going to make an effort here to get through all of the questions for the first time. Wow. And we got um, a lot of them. So we're going to really try to go through them. Uh, uh we'll but, just forego the draft. If you want to learn about the draft, just go to Ryan's website. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's better coverage than we can. Well, we would just be, uh, stealing it anyway. Yeah. It's, he did, he does fantastic work. I participated in some of his live blog stuff and it was, it was a blast. Uh, first round, first pick for the Nationals was Spencer Kabooms, um, little brother. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Keeping it in the family. And the better, uh, by all accounts, the better athlete of the two. So yes, 
So not bad for the Nationals. Go to NatsGM.com, check that out. Yeah, he he'll he'll get you up to speed on all that stuff. All right. So uh we're going to try and get through all the questions. We're going to try and dig into them as, uh, as much as possible. If you have more questions, uh, ask them. If we have time when we get to the end, we'll actually try to answer questions that come in during the show. All right. Hi, let's... we're Nats Talk on the Go. Ask me anything. Nice. Uh, that is kind of what we're doing right now. So we got a couple of questions from uh, Dan Guzman. Uh, the first one uh, that Look at you! I, I, I've been working Two on Two weeks in a row! I know. I've really been working on it. Uh, I don't like to get people's names wrong because I don't think people get mine. This Dan asked this question yesterday for the podcast, so we got to get him in. Uh, uh, I'm, he says, I'm kind of pissed at Rendon for getting tossed at the, in, in the Wednesday extra inning game. I get it, you're pissed, but the bench is drained and we need you. Feels like a bit selfish from a guy who'd ne- who I never described that way. Thoughts? Um, I will never understand what goes on between the lines of a baseball field. Uh, at this level with these high of stakes. Um, I can't criticize him. It seems dumb. Uh, I know he had problems with Balk and Bob for a lot of the game, as did both teams. Yeah. It was a poorly umpired game. Uh, It was just not pretty. So they had issues before. There were some really questionable strike calls in that at bat by Anthony Rendon. There were... There were some pretty questionable balls and strikes that entire game. Yeah, uh, it was it was one of the poorest called uh, strike zones I've seen in a while, and that's really saying something. And it's not because he was calling pitches outside. There was a complete absence of consistency. Um, there was a pitch after, I think it was during the Jason Worth at bat at the end of the game where David Ross actually just stood up and talked for like. 15, 20 seconds. Yes, both both sides. Exactly. And so it was just, it was terrible. And then the next pitch was like three inches outside that was called a strike. And then the, and then the pitch falling was almost in the exact same location. Yep. It was actually actually a little closer to the zone zone, and it was called a ball. And so uh, back to the kind of the point of the question, I, I don't fault Rendon as much as I fault the ump show. um, Because I think, Bob Davidson saying, I thought Anthony Rendon was going to throw a bat at me. Really? Like, yeah, I know. It's that alone to me kind of says he was just, you know, Rendon had kind of stood there and looked at him a couple times. And I think in the previous at bat when he struck out, he Rendon actually did kind of walk towards Davidson and Davidson didn't throw him out already. So I think in the next at bat, Davidson was like, well, if you do anything, I'm going to throw yeah. him out here. It was just a... You know, you showed me up one time. I I was good, and I gave you the benefit of the doubt. And he walked away and put his bat down, and Davidson decided that that was it. Um, and and okay, so if the home plate umpire and I assume crew chief, uh, based on his, uh, you know, the name and the tenure that he's had in baseball, if he thought Anthony Rendon was going to throw a bat at him. Is there going to be supplemental discipline for that? I mean, that's just ridiculous, man. It, it's like setting up a, a a fantasy narrative in your head and then throwing out a guy because of that. Right. I, I, it's it's such an insane idea. It's that... it's literally the stand your ground law. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It is God, oof, dark. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's pretty. It's you can't say, oh, this is what this guy is thinking, and. 
and he didn't do anything, and you right. throw him out of the game. I mean, right. that is incredibly bad. That is yeah, so bad. Uh, selfish, nah, I can see the argument, but... You've got to try and stay in the game. You're, you're, yes, you you're do. in extra innings. You have no bench left. It's, it's not going to end well. Uh, but on that note, oh, I know we have a question about this, but Jose Lobaton at third base... God, that would have been spectacular. Come on, Jason, come on. Why do you have to end the game there? <laughs> because yeah. I would have paid legitimate amounts of money in order to see Jose Lobatone get a ground ball at third base. I'm honestly surprised it wasn't uh, Joe Ross or something out and left. I, I, why was there no consideration to it being Michael Taylor who was drafted as an infielder? Like, yeah. He's done that job. I'm not saying that he was any good at it. That's why he's an outfielder now. I guess maybe because you... I don't. I don't know because you, you want, want a defense keep... out there in the outfield. I would guess you don't want to move him from center fielder. He's the from center field. He's the best center fielder you have. So, um, but I guess I would say he's less valuable, Jose Lobaton, than Michael A. Taylor. But uh, if the Nationals lose their backup catcher, I mean Severino. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I don't. I don't. I don't know. Uh, I would have want. I wanted to see it. I wanted to. But I'm I, glad to have won. I just wanted to. He has the arm. Obviously, you're not worried about that. I just wanted to see the footwork. Uh, I, yeah. I just wanted to see him. Oh God, it would have been so good. It would have been so good. We've got a question related to that later. We'll get yeah. to. Um. Uh. Next question from uh, Dan Guzman's. He wants to know. I, I realize we have multiple Dan's, so I have to qualify it. Uh. He said he'll probably listen to us on his, on his Friday flight to San Diego. San uh, Diego. An, annual trip with, with his mother. So what is your favorite park you visited, and which one that you haven't been to do you want to see the most? Uh, my favorite that I've visited is PNC. Yeah. Uh, and the top of my bucket list is Wrigley. Yeah. So the best that I've been to is PNC as well. Um, the one that I haven't been to that I want to is AT&T. I no, I, yeah. I can't wait to get to AT&T. That's uh, Wrigley, obviously, on the list. I'm actually this summer going to Petco as well, so I'm looking forward to going to San Diego because that, that's on my list as well, but not as high as, as Wrigley and AT&T, but AT&T is my number one, especially that I haven't been to. So really want to get there. Uh, huh. Josh says, what would we say to the people who complain about our explicit tag for today's show? Uh, kiss my ass. Kiss my ass. Uh, Michelle wants to know who the closer is. We kind of answered it, but do you want to give a more concise answer? No. Yeah. I mean, all of them. <laughs> I don't think there is one, but I do think it's going to be Sean Kelly. That's, I think it's going to end up, he's going to end up being the guy that gets the most opportunities there. And I don't necessarily think that's wrong. Uh, Fang with the hard hitting question, who would look better than with a man bun, you or me? I don't um, think there's any question to this. I, I you. What? It is definitely I, you. I'm going bald. Yeah, dude. but if you had it. Oh well, <laughs> then obviously. Because me. this mythical man bun is never going to happen, and really I, the only answer to this is Johan. That's true. <laughs> so, uh, Johan has the best man bun, but I, I could never pull off a man bun. I think I think you could rock it. You've got the beard to rock it. You can make. I it do. I, I am a little bit hipster. Yes, you are. You are a little bit hipster. I'm a little bit hipster. A little bit You're rock. a little bit rock and roll. Okay. 
the beard. Hey, the beard uh, wants to know Jason Worth, cool baseball player or coolest baseball player of all time. I'd say cool baseball player. I'm going to say very cool baseball player. Oh, well, that wasn't one of the choices. I know. You can't I made, change I, the I, rules, I, Joe. I made option C, Craig. I made right. option C. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. There are just there's a long list of players that we have to consider here, Beard. Very very cool, but, you know, not the coolest. Bob Euchre. Yes, nice. Uh, Michelle <laughs> asking, do you think the bullpen is showing cracks? And WTF was Matt Belial doing starting the inning last night. We definitely talked about that. Yes. Do you think uh, the bullpen is showing cracks in general, though? Or do you think it's just a rough part of the season? I think it's just the bullpen's bullpens are rarely always good. Yeah. Like there are cracks in every single bullpen. Yeah, there are there's no such thing as a perfect bullpen. I mean, they just don't exist in baseball. It's way too difficult to find seven guys that can do that job. I don't know. Uh it and consistently for 162 games when they just get called upon randomly to pitch an inning, you know, or or to a, a batter or anything else. I think it's kind of the nature of baseball. It could always be better. And I think it's the, I think that the bullpen and the bench are the two things in baseball that are the hardest to predict and to uh, get a, a constant expectation of production from. Um, and so it's really hard to, to formulate the bullpen and it's very hard to formulate the bench for that. So I don't think it's showing cracks any more than any other, uh, team but in, unless you've got a bunch of i don't know a bunch of strasburg like pitchers and and scherzer like pitchers in there you're not going to ever get that and if you had those kind of guys they'd be starters right so you know i, I think that could could it get better yes but there's not a bullpen in baseball that couldn't be better than it is right now yeah and i think it will get better obviously um with the nationals on a 101 win pace uh things are looking pretty darn well uh it seems like Mike Rizzo has the leeway to make a move. Yeah. Now, what he does to make a move, obviously the Nationals have a couple players that would be completely untouchable in an Andrew Miller or a Roldis Chapman trade. Right. Um, but it sounds like uh, they would be willing to make a deal. Yeah, and I think that you have to have a lot of guys – you, at some point, you've got to win baseball games, and at some point, you're, you, the ultimate goal is not just to hold on to, to players, but it's to, to win. Do the, do the thing and win the trophy. So, um, you know, I, I love holding on to prospects as much as anybody, but, you know, you gotta got to trade some guys sometimes in order to fill the roles that you need. I'm not saying that you sh- they should trade Lucas Giolito. That'd be insane. But there are guys that, you know, you got to consider moving. Uh, I think that's the literal point of Steve Lombardozzi being in the organization. Yes. Um, so Michelle also asks, uh, says that she heard Tom Verducci on MLB radio and he said that Bryce can't hit a fastball. And how do we fix Bryce? Uh, he is honestly having a lot of trouble with the fastball. He's really struggling with it. Um, it's not good right now. Yeah. Um, I don't know how to fix it. I'm not his exactly. coach. Uh, let's see. On fastballs, he's got a 238 average with 23 strikeouts. Yeah. 52% of his strikeouts have come against fastballs. Yeah. So uh, timing timing is a bit off. Uh, needs to get in 
the cage. Well, he's seen he's seen fewer major league pitches. He's not he's not getting the at bats that he was getting last year. Players are pitchers are have wised up. They're saying I'm not challenging this guy. Are you insane? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put a fastball down the middle. But now. You wonder if the fact that he has struggled so much against the fastball, if some guys, some of the better pitchers in the league, league are going to say, well, you know, let's see how this goes. It's and, a game of adjustments. Exactly. Um, they and that was always going to be the yeah. big thing for him coming off of last year. Yeah, they made the adjustment on him after his torrid start to the season. And so far, he has not been able to get that timing back. It seems like uh, with the few pitches that he is seeing, he gets really excited when he gets pitches to hit and yeah. he gets over aggressive. Yeah, for sure. I agree. And he wants to hit at 700 feet. Exactly. He's like, oh, 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 man, this is actually, they're, they're, they're throwing to me. Oh, my gosh. Oh, he's like a puppy. It's, it's about, not going to stay that way. About uh, a week ago, yeah. he started to do a couple of things that were different. Now, it was not on a fastball. It was on, there were a couple of breaking pitches that were outside. And he just kind of like was, for a while, just kind of like massaging the ball to left field, slow, like softly. He just kind of mm-hmm. was like, I'm just going to hit the ball here and go in this direction and not hit it very hard. And I was like, I, I initially looked at that and was like, oh, good. Like he's, th- he's kind of figured it out. It doesn't seem like he's quite there yet because if you're, man, if you can't, if you're having trouble hitting a fastball in major league baseball, you're going to have a bad time. <laughs> uh, so I, I think that, I mean, I think he's probably one of the two or three best hitters in baseball. He might be the best, but one of the two or three best hitters in baseball. It's hard to argue with Mike Trout being the best hitter in baseball. But I think he's going to figure it out. But right now it's not good. I mean, no, he's, it's, he's, he's not seeing the ball. No, he's not. Um, and if, he's, if, if he's Craig and I knew the, how to fix it, we'd be making a lot more money than we are. He's been hitting the ball hard lately, so they're yeah. going to start to fall in yeah. uh, hopefully soon. But. Yeah. Uh, San Diego. Yeah, you know, there's something to be said. There's something to be said for the fact that Harper is hitting 249. He's got a, a, an on-base percentage over four over 400, but his BABIP is 247. Yeah. His, his career BABIP is is 324. He when he's making contact, he's having some pretty crap luck, and you got to imagine that's going to turn around at some point too. Yes, especially Very as good. hard as he hits the ball. Very good. And this uh, road swing is, I believe, San Diego and Colorado? That sounds possible. I'm not going to say right. because Someone don't. will correct us I on don't Twitter. I don't actually know. I have it here. No, it's Dodgers. Okay, Dodgers. And Brewers. Ooh. So long road trip. Long road trip outside of this time zone. Anyway, uh, final question for now for Michelle. Does Madden seem to get into Zimmerman's head as well, diagnose what happened and how, how to fix it? Because, uh, yeah, Ryan Zimmerman has been not good. <laughs> no. He's, he's, he really hasn't been seeing the slider, but this series he didn't see anything. No. Um, he's in a big slide right now, and it's rough. Ryan Zimmerman is one of the streakiest hitters in baseball. Uh, he just he rides, you know, he'll, he'll have your, his 29-30 game hit streak, and then, you know, won't, he'll get 10 hits in 100 games. I mean, he just, that's an exaggeration, obviously. But uh, 10 hits in 100 at-bats for sure. Um, he's, Ryan Zimmerman at this point in, in mid-June is a negative wins above replacement player. It's, he, is, he is not playing well. And uh, I don't know what you do about that, to be totally honest with you. His defense is ridiculously good. He saves a ton of runs with his glove at first base. Um, and certainly a ton of errors. 
Uh, but his bat is atrocious this season right now. Um, and I don't know how you fix it. Yeah, I think uh, Madden's in his head a little bit. Yeah, I think probably. Uh, yeah. Uh, Josh uh, asks, uh, discuss the Forever Mariner Ichiro, please. And I know that you will love to do that. God, I love Ichiro so much. He is he is uh, one of my favorite players of all time. And how could you not love the guy? He's, what, 88 and a half years old, and he's up there just hitting the ball, hitting the ball, hitting the ball so much. He just, I believe he's within 23 hits of 3,000. After having a terrible season last year, he is crushing it this year. He basically gets a hit every time he, every, basically a hit a game, basically. Yeah. So uh, I love Ichiro. He is not the hit king. I know that's been the, the topic of the week, I guess, in baseball, uh, whether his uh, Nippon Baseball League hits count against Pete Rose. They do not. Yeah, of course they but do. But why do we have to compare it? Yeah, they, they don't count towards the record, but it doesn't make it any less freaking incredible. Right. That, that, that the dude had, what, was it 1,300 hits or something? Yeah. In the Nippon Baseball League? And then he's coming here and is about to hit 3,000 here, like after he had basically an entire career in Japan. I mean, it's remarkable. It's insane. It's He's a... He's a different kind of hitter, and there are very few of those people in baseball now, and who knows if we'll see players like that in the future, but it's pretty remarkable. Yeah, I'm really excited for him to get his 3,000s. I know it was in question that he would even be able to do it this year just because of how bad he was last year. Yeah, exactly. He was terrible. But he is hitting the ball like Ichiro of 10 years ago, and it's it's fantastic. It's it's one of these stories that you love to see. Um, He's just hanging around, hanging around, and... He's kind of having a resurgence, and it's it's fun to watch. And resurgence at forty something years old. Not many yeah. people can say that. It's pretty awesome. Uh, so, uh, other Josh, Josh, who did the lovely intro and outro of this show, and thank you again, Josh. I was uh, singing it during the intro. We always sing it. It's so inter- it's so entertaining. Uh, we love our own intro music from the Crimson Electric dot com, Crimson Electric dot com. Sorry, there great, it is. Great band. Uh, so wants to know, not really a question, but please talk about future all-star and third baseman Jose Lobatone, which I certainly wanted to bring up again because, come on. It's, do you think, I feel like he could do the job. I think about a guy like Russell Martin who can do that and has done that before where, where he's a catcher, but he can play the infield. Craig Biggio. What's that? Craig Biggio. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that you, you would he be the, Anthony Rendon at third base? No, but I think he'd be fine. I think he would be fine on anything hit hard to him. Yes. I think anything that he has to anything run in his forward. wingspan. <laughs> yeah. Anything in his wingspan. Not, I'm. He's not going to do the Zimmerman and uh, and uh, Rendon dive like get a ball, get up and throw. Like that's not happening. Yeah. Um, I I know there was some talk about seeing Zimmerman go back to third, but yeah, no. Yeah, that, that would just be really sad to watch. That's never, 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 never going to happen. <laughs> it's like how we wanted to see Rick Ankeel pitch. Yeah, and then you don't really, though. Yeah. Uh, Fanny has a couple questions here. Uh, which swear word would you use in a post-game on-field interview and why? Uh, does bollocks count? Yeah, it. I guess it does. I would probably use just stick with ass. 
Yeah, I feel like I'd go. I'd go for the whole thing. You I, would. I I drop F because wow. it's just I've got no decorum generally. Nice. Uh, but, and the answer is be- for why is because I have no decorum. Nice. Uh, Feng has a couple of questions about sideline reporters. The first one: uh, What do you think about the role of a sideline reporter? Do you think it's good to have or a distraction? I think it's unnecessary, Un- but it's but it's not for me. You don't think it's you think it's unnecessary. I think it's okay. I understand why it's there, right? But it's not for me, right? I, I it's not for me either. But I think that there are people that can do it that can make it entertaining for me. Um, and I think that there are people who are good at that. I think that when you look at like a national broadcast, I think Ken Rosenthal is good at that job. Yes. Well, um, he's also a lot more than a pretty face. Well, he's it, Dan Coco is more than a pretty face. He's a very pretty face. Like he is a very pretty face. Um, so I, I have no problem with the role. I, it's, it's to provide additional entertainment, but I think that there is a point to which for me, the role can get a little, um, a little too soft, like not even related to anything happening in the ballpark soft. Uh, but I think that, uh, for example, I think that Coco does a very good job. I think he does a good job of like bringing out of a player what you want to see, like his interviews with Jason Worth, for example, or actually talking about, hey, I talked to you know Rick Shue, and he talked about how he worked on this thing with Bryce Harper, and it, it's made a difference because he did this today. And I think that he does a really good job of that, but I don't think a lot of people do. Well, he also has a journalism background. Right, yeah, exactly. He was More so. He was a writer and is good at it. That's what I'm saying. I think there are people who are good at the job and people who are not. Which, for the most part, for my enjoyment of the game, it's more of a distraction. Yeah, that's fair. That's um, fair. But it's for that extra layer of fan that isn't obsessive like we are. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And and all of you listening, as a matter yeah. of fact. Uh, so the follow-up to that question from Fang is, rank the Nats on-field reporters throughout their existence and explain your rankings. That, we don't, I don't want to explain them all that much, but uh, rank them. All I know is Debbie Taylor is last. Yeah, well, duh. Uh, I thought Christina Acra was great. I thought she was, too. Yeah. I would say Christina Acra, Dan Colco, Julie Alexandria, Debbie Taylor. Yeah, for me, Flip, flip Coco and, and Christina Acra. But, yeah, okay. I mean, I think, I think the Coco and Christina Acra were great. I thought that she was really great as well. Uh, all right. Beard wants to know the most important question. How many innings do you think you'll be able to... Uh, that, oh, how many innings Beard will be able to stay awake for tonight? One and a half. I'm going to go for the for the whole thing. I I, I believe in you, Beard. Oh. I, I don't believe in myself, though. I'm going to pass out on the couch. Nice. Uh, <laughs> I'm going for it. This is... You're going for it? Oh, yeah. yeah I love I, I'm going to try. I just... I'm going to fail. Uh... Uh, Mike, North Carolina, I love this question. I actually laughed when I read it. Uh, if a tree falls in a forest and Bob Davidson knows it's going to happen, does it make a sound? Uh, yes, and that sound is Bob Davidson saying balk. 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 Oh, so good. Uh, Fang wants to know, do you think uh, Jason Worth likes Dan Polko, or does he just enjoy messing with him? I think they like him. Oh, I think they do too. I don't, you, there's a certain level, when you get to a certain level of ribbing, 
it's it has to be because you like the person. Yes. You you could only take ribbing to somebody it's that you not don't mean, like. It's not mean spirited. Exactly. Like you could ju- you could be mean to somebody, but only so much on live television unless you actually like them. It's like we do it here. Uh, Jude wants to know how many more times will the Nats run uh, after Jason at the end of the game this season? So how many, uh, how many more walk off celebrations? I'm gonna say one, and it's gonna be a walk. Nice. Oh, a walk off walk. It's gonna be a shrimp. It's gonna be a. It's gonna be a Elijah Duke special. Nice. It's gonna be the shrimp. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Sorry, I'm gonna go with zero. Nice. Because two in like four days. Come on. I'm gonna go with zero. He. But prove me wrong. Uh, will Joe and Jude? Uh, other question from Jude. Will Joe Ross hit a home run in his next game? No. No. Uh. uh hold on. Oh, and, Johan has a question. He ahead. wants he wants me to talk about shepherd life. Okay, okay. I, I saw that. I don't know what the hell that means, so go ahead. <laughs> uh, I went to the game with Johan, uh, Steph Bully Nats, and uh, Into Nats Lisa on Saturday afternoon, and it was 95 degrees. It was so hot. And it was awful. And I sweat a lot anyway because, as I discussed earlier, fat dude. So... Uh, Johan and I both had, I had one of my shirts over my head and he had, I think it was a towel or an extra shirt, something like that. And we put them over our heads and we looked like shepherds and we got caught by the mass and cameras looking like shepherds. (laughs) Oh, I did see that. Lisa tweeted that, right? Yes. Everyone is jealous of the shepherd life and it was amazing. And they make these towels. Oh my gosh, Joe. They make these towels. That when you get them wet, they're, they're cool. like instantly cool. Have yeah. you seen these things? I have seen these things. They, how does that happen? Science. What? <laughs> I, Come need, on, I need one, man. I just want to oh, let you know man. you have a few minutes left and you've not yet made a sports night reference. So Okay. I, I so pull one get pull it together. Thank you. So uh with that, I will talk about the question from Craig's mom. Oh geez. Which of the which of our recent draftees do you think will have uh, the most impact on the organization and the brightest future? Orlando Rojas. Nice, and there it is. That was well put together quickly. Yeah. Uh, and and on that note, I'm going to say I am uh, not nearly educated enough on the topic, which is why we earlier referred you well, to NatsGM.com. Well, the thing is, no one is educated on yeah. this topic yet. If you want to grade a draft right now, grade a draft from eight years ago. Indeed. That's really what you have to do. I mean, it takes that long. There are still players from probably the 2008 draft sitting around in the minors, you know, work their way up, spend a year at low A or a year at short season, year at low A, two at high A, two at double A that are, you know, either just cracked the major leagues or whatever. So if you really want to judge a draft, judge one from more than five years ago. I completely agree. Uh, and the final question, I think, and then I'll go through real quick uh, to make sure I didn't miss any while we were recording. But uh, from Fang, in honor of Lobatone at third base possibility, what's the most out-of-position player you've seen play a game, and how did it go for him? Not including pitchers. Yeah, that made me so sad, that that qualifier. The quali- so do both. Uh, my favorite position player pitching is Adam Dunn. Yeah. That was amazing. Also, yeah. Ichiro. Yeah, Ichiro is my favorite. I think that was inc- that was incredible. Um, 
And then what was the other part of the question? Because I only wanted to answer that one. <laughs> uh, what's the most out-of-position player you've seen p- play in a game, and how did it go for him? Anytime you've ever seen a pitcher have to play the field. Yeah. I'm trying to think of a reference. I just I love it when pitchers come in and pinch run because they're so excited. Yeah, they are so excited. And, and Scherz, guys like Scherz are like, like, come on, I'm ready. Like, do you ever find it strange that there's just this childlike wonder in starting pitchers when they get to hit? Like, when yeah, you talk, oh, totally. when AL teams come to NL parks, every single beat writer has to ask the pitcher, the AL pitcher, about hitting. And they're so excited to hit. So I mean, excited. We just saw uh, Madison Bumgarner say, hey, I want to be in the home run derby. God, pitchers, how good would that be? Pitchers love hitting. It's so fun. And they love doing things that make them feel like a quote-unquote real baseball player. They love shagging balls. They love taking like they love taking infield, that kind yeah. of stuff. It's crazy. Just so, stuff that everybody else hates. So I can't think of a good example right now uh, of a position player playing in a place that makes no sense. Because honestly, I can't remember the last time I saw an emergency catcher situation. Yeah, but that's always funny. Emergency catchers are always good. Uh, I. My answer, I went, I went with like very, very basic on this, and you kind of stole my thunder a little bit. But you were talking about pitching, just most out of position player I've ever seen play, Adam Dunn playing anywhere. That's accurate. Anywhere. He doesn't have the nickname Big Donkey. Yeah. Or anything. Just literally anywhere he plays is was he looked terrible when he played left field. He never played well at first base. He was out of position no matter where he was. The man was built to be a designated hitter. You know it's bad when the best thing anyone can say about your defense is, you're a big target. Yeah, that, that was the thing we heard here for years. You're oh, he's large, a big target over there at first base. You're large, and hopefully if they throw it within the size of your body, you can catch it, yeah. but that's not necessarily a guarantee. It's so bad. Yeah, no, he was he was the worst. So I, I was like, I'm going to try and go, you know, I could go with like, you know, 35-year-olds Albert Pujols playing third base. Like, that's not good. But I wanted to keep it in the uh, in the D.C. So I, Adam Dunn playing anywhere. I mean, just nice. not, not good. Not good. Uh, that's it for the questions, I believe. Let's see. I think uh, our friend, uh, special ops member, Minnesota Nicer, Beth, deserves a shout-out for getting the in-play runs shirt yes. which you can find in our store natstalkonthego.com click on the store button up at the menu buy the thanks to the bunch of you that bought that recently by the way yeah uh and beth uh got retweeted by the nationals account and we sold some shirts so thank you beth yes that's right beth definitely deserves a shout out for that and to all of you who support this show via your uh your special ops memberships or your uh, just sharing fun conversations with us, with us on the Twitter. We appreciate it. Yeah, if we missed any questions, let us know right now or forever hold your peace. Yeah, and you better do it really quickly because there's like going to be a delay on the stream and so they're really going to see it and then we're going to end the show and it's going to be too late. I don't know. I might want to get that looked at. Yeah, oh, no. wrong okay. with Pirates, the pitching. What? Oh, yeah, Michelle's question. Uh, yeah, the pitching is bad. It's really bad. As, as is evidenced right now with the Mets just destroying the Pirates at, at the moment. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, not good. 
not good for the Pirates. It's, and it's too bad. They're, they've got a lot of talent there to be a good team. They won, what, 95 games last year? 96 games? They won a, They were a really good team last year. They've got the a, NL Central was insane last year. Yeah, and now it's like... Well, Cubs you knew it was going to be the Cubs fight. and everybody else, but now it's really the Cubs and everybody else. Now it's else. instead of Cubs and then hopefully a, a wildcard team, it's Cubs and Dumpster Fire. Yeah, exactly. It's, um, it's kind of turned into what we expected the National League East to be. Friend of the show, uh, Ryan Sullivan... He has writer's block. He wants help. Um, what should Ryan write about? Uh, I don't know. Something interesting about the draft, maybe. Not if he uh, I think cover he's that probably length. drafted out. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? Uh, Ryan, go ahead and grade the 2010 draft. Nice. There you go. That was a good draft. Uh, will we survive the monsoon? Mm, yes. Will we have power? I do, so that's uh, good. Knock on wood, I do as well, but... Uh, during, I don't know, minutes probably 40 through 50 of this show, boy, did it really get ugly outside my house. It was really um, bad. I thought, it was, I thought I was going to lose it. Another uh, question. Uh, who is my favorite Spice Girl? <laughs> Colors of the World? Uh, Fang, I think, asked, maybe. What? I, th- um, I think it was your brother. Okay, then it was, okay, I don't know. Maybe. Oh. All right, well, there we go. Um, whoever the redhead was. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember her name. I I can't answer this question because true story. When I left work one day last week, I sang most of that famous song they had because I still remember all of the words. Is that I saw the sign? Sure, let's go with that one. I can't nice. think of the name right now. That's Ace of Base, Joe. It, I on, know it's Ace of Base. I was humoring you. That's what I have to do with regularity. Um, I think it might actually have been Ginger Spice. I think it is Ginger Spice. I think I nailed that one. Yeah. Uh. Final question from Fang. What color Gatorade do you want your shower to be? Oh, I loved this yeah. question. The, I believe he asked this a day ago or something. Yeah, like. I, I missed it. Know. He re-asked. So. Uh, this is a great one. Yeah. Because there's a couple different ways you can go with it. Yeah. Uh, am I a national? Sure. I would probably go with the fruit punch Gatorade. So the red. The red. I, the red, obviously. Dude, uh, Gatorade is colors. It is not flavors. You okay, have yellow so, and orange and red and blue and light blue. I'm sorry. Also well, there's purple. a lot more than that now. There's a lime cucumber, dude. Oh, that's gross. Yeah, it's not it's Gatorade. Gatorade. Yeah. Come on, son. Um, it's limon pepitinos. I I don't I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> oh, <God>. Clearly, <laughs> I think I think it's limon. It means lime. I think I got that right. I think that sounds right. Um, but anyway. I think I'd probably go with red specifically because the stain potential. God. And it's... I, I can't this, believe you took my goddamn answer again. I'm not a scientist, but I think it's the stickiest. <laughs> Rumor has it. Yeah, I wanted Rumor it for the stain. I wanted red for the stain factor. So I, I will go with my secondary, which is blue, because it's also delicious. Uh, so that's what I'm, that's, that's going to be my answer, but only because I wanted red to be my answer. Um, if you choose like glacier cherry, which is the white one, that's bullshit. You yeah. Need why to get are you out. doing that? What's the point? The whole point is wearing the trophy, man. You get to wear the color. Um, yellow is, you know, I guess it's standard. Yeah. But it also looks like you pee yourself. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. How would you pee on your head? <laughs> And on that note, thank you for listening to this episode of 
That's talk on the go. And really, anything else to say? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play, play us off. I think. I think that's the perfect way to end it. I think so too. If you're listening to the live stream, we will chat a little bit after the music, so stick around. Otherwise, thank you for listening to episode 124 of Nat's Talk on the Go, and we'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks for listening to Nat's Talk on the Go. For more information, check us out at natstalkonthego.com. To become a supporting member of the podcast, click on the special ops link at the top of the page or head right to natstalkonthego.com slash special ops. You can contact the guys at natstalkonthego on Twitter or send them an email at podcast at natstalkonthego.com. If you like what you heard, take a minute to review the podcast on iTunes and help us spread the word. See you next time. Let's go Nats!